Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. Sometimes in your life, you think about what should I be doing now? What should I be doing at my age and stage? Please enjoy this interview with Andrew Gorin, who is, I was going to say only 20, but he has done so much at 20 to launch the app Harmony Helper. He has built his performing world around it, his relationships with BroadwayCon. He's brought in resources that the average 40-year-old hasn't brought into their work. So please enjoy this interview with Andrew and think about how could you be doing something different in your life, or in my case, how could my kids be doing something different in their lives to be bringing resources, talent, teams, communities together at age 20, 30, 40, or 50. So enjoy this journey. I've always had uh, a love for performance, singing, storytelling. When you know, when you're an actor or performer, you're a storyteller, and that's something that's always resonated with me. And technology also in, influenced me early on as well. Funny enough, a very early, early uh, marrying of the two of storytelling and technology actually comes. Uh, for my love of Disney and the Disney parks and the innovation there. Uh, I admire Walt Disney and everything that he's done at at Disney. And uh, from a young age, I'd actually always wanted to be an Imagineer. And Disney does a great job of telling a story. When you're in a park, you are a part of a story, you're immersed. But also the technology found in the rides and the way that innovation has occurred inside of the Disney parks has always intrigued me to, to better to better tell that story that the Disney parks are telling. So uh, technology has been something that's always interested me. So I can talk, I want to talk a bit about the, the story of me of, of performance, but then when I encountered this problem of not being able to harmonize, my technology side was thinking of, okay, how can I use innovation to solve this problem? Now you do know, of course, you can, you're, you're, you're right on the right track if you want to head into Imagineering that people who stand at that great hybrid space are oftentimes who they're looking for. So I'm not trying to get you off your pathway, but Oh no, no problem. It's still, it's still an option. So, but what type of things when you, when you've tinkered with technology before now, what's been technology in your life? You were mentioning before we got started about pinball machines. That's a different technology. Yes. Yeah. So I, I've always been a tinkerer or someone who likes to mess around with things. I have an interest in software and I also have an interest in hardware. Anything with new technology and innovation that, that has an impact on someone has always interested, interested me. So we look at pinball and something that I love about pinball is the kinetic aspect of it. It not being uh, just a, a video game of, of, uh, you know, of where it's just on a screen. I love being able to have the physical ball action and the and mechanical working with the software. And 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 in an industry where pinball has been around since 1940 or the 1930s, they're still producing pinball machines to this day. And the innovation that has occurred in something that essentially is a ball and two flippers has been immense. So, you know, I always try to keep up on the latest technologies and even in things that uh 
have been around for a while or have always been done a certain way, I always try to be involved or welcome the pushing of the envelope with the technology, whether it's pinball, whether it's 3D printing, whether it's it's music innovation as well, or even Disney Imagineering. I just am amazed and mesmerized of, of innovation and what can be done to take something that's always been done one way, but improve it even more with the use of technology. So I, I've always been a, a tinkerer and a problem solver, I would say, is just from a, from a young age. So I would contest you're still at a young age. So by the time this episode comes at a, out. At a super young age. At a super, super young age. By the time this episode <laughs> comes out, we'll have an episode with uh, Kristen Agee. Uh, the CEO of 411 Music Group and was a CEO starting in her late 20s. You're a CEO at how old? I, um, in May, I turned 20 and uh, I had the idea for Harmony Helper when I was 12 and it really became a full-time business and and job when I was about 16 or 17 years. So we're going to back up into that. So when you say that you were young, for most people, you're kind of of the framing that they would be saying, oh, you know, that, that, It'd be great if you already were starting in your business at this age. And I'm always telling the 20-somethings in my classrooms that they should be out doing, not just studying. You've been doing for a while. So let's back you up a little bit. You have been doing life theater. Now, you um, private school, public school, homeschool, how, how, how have you been able to be so engaged in doing outside work while 12, 13, 14, 15 years old? Yeah, so so initially, you know, I, I wanted to be an actor, a performer, live theater. That's what I wanted to do. I started off in public school, but actually we made that switch to private school at around sixth grade for the exact reason of 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 accommodating uh my need there as as trying to be a professional in the space as well and and uh continue on with that passion and, and dream so that you, you that's a great question you hit it right on the nose that the private school education had allowed me to, to do that and then as I shifted into high school um, with Harmony Helper and it becoming a full-time gig I was better able to balance and take the time that I needed to, to work on the business. So you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Yes yeah, so my dad especially he, he's an entrepreneur he was a trained heart surgeon, but had identified a problem in the medical field and created a business. My uh, two, I have four brothers. Two of them are also involved in that company and, and were involved from the early stages. Another brother is a lawyer, but is innovating in a way in his own field. So I do like to think it, it does run in the family a bit. Because sometimes if you don't see it, you don't think it's part of your vocabulary. I find a lot of I shouldn't say kids, but I'm not. I'm talking to a a, a charming adult here. Uh, but I talk, tend to talk about my students as kids. I'm sorry, students, if you're listening to this, and <laughs> thinking about the fact that they don't have the vocabulary of seeing entrepreneurs, that it's not in the kit bag of how they think that they can go um, replug things together again because they're looking for what's the job I could be applying for, or how do I apprentice with someone to learn how to build that type of company or that type of a creative practice where you're coming from an entrepreneurial and live performance journey. It's an interesting combination. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think it's about knowing that 
that this is an okay thing to do. You don't need to follow down the traditional path of, okay, here, as you said, I need to get an apprenticeship and I need to do A, B, and C. And I think that is hard to realize if you didn't get to witness someone else doing this as you were growing up from a very, very young age. So I, I completely agree with that, that thought. So how did you gather resources to fix the problem you found? Or let's back up first into what's the problem you then realized you wanted to fix? So it all sort of came about when, when I was 12 years old and, and I booked my first professional show at, at the Walnut Street Theater in Philadelphia. And I was in, you know, the school chorus, but I, it was still, I was very, very young. There wasn't a lot of harmony in the chorus. I had done, you know, summer camps on the side. I was never really introduced to harmony and singing until this moment of my first professional show. I walk into the rehearsal room on the first day and I get the script, and I see that uh, in A Christmas Carol, I got to open the show singing a song in harmony with someone else. You know, I, I knew what harmony was. I knew that mean, meant someone else was singing with me at the same time, but it was something different. Uh, I thought I could handle it. And actually, in the rehearsal room, the way we were standing on, uh, in the rehearsal room, I was standing on the right side of the room. The girl I was singing with was standing on the left side of the room. We were so far apart, I could barely ever hear her singing her vocal part. So it wasn't really an issue until we got to the final dress rehearsal where we added microphones and sound on the stage. So I walk out on stage, lights come up, and uh, I open my mouth to sing. And because we were mic'd for the first time, I was able to hear her singing. And all I heard was her harmony part and my voice couldn't focus and find my own part that I was supposed to be singing. And that was devastating to me because I, you know, in front of an a thousand member invited dress rehearsal, it seemed like I had entirely forgotten how to sing. And that really, really annoyed me. And so I, you know, met with a lot of music directors after the show. They were surprised and frustrated with me. They tried to help me and they basically said, you know, we can't do anything for you. You either can harmonize or you can't and that really because that's so not oh, yeah I, I mean I, I mean I think it's a combination of like we're not going to spend the time helping you like listen you have it or you don't not our problem so they ended up doubling me and having someone singing in my ear for the performance um and and, and we got by but that you know that didn't sit well with me and in music Anywhere there's music, there's harmony somewhere. So, you know, it's not like this was a one and done. I was going to continue to face this issue. And it really annoyed me. And I met other people who had similar issues of, of, uh, of not being able to harmonize. So one day, I started thinking about voice memos on the phone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I took someone who I had to be harmonizing with and I said, do me a favor. Record you singing your part on my voice memos. And I went home with that voice memo and I harmonized along with that recording over and over and over and over again until I got it. And I also had um, a recording of me singing my part so I was confident and I could, uh, I could practice with that over and over again. And that's where the idea started to flow of being able to merge all this together and do it with any song and, and having a rehearsal space uh, at home, even if you weren't an expert sheet music reader or, or a, a great harmonizer. So I started to, I would say, you know, about 13 years old, 13, 14 years old, I started to sketch out some wireframes of, of a very ver early, early version of what I thought Harmony Helper was going to be. But that was uh, then on a, a, a early, early 
ish iPhone. This was on, I mean, thinking of it, what the modalities are. We've got so many technology has changed a lot to get to now from that, what, seven years? Yeah, yeah. And it was a, <laughs> it was, it, you know, it, it had a, I don't even know if it had a fingerprint sensor in it at the time, but it had, you know, a, a round home button, very tiny screen screen it wasn't curved edges uh uh and uh you know the whole the the overall intention and mission and problem solving the problem we're solving has stayed the same it's grown but also this was very early and a slightly different approach to to what we do now i started to wireframe these out and also these were not done professionally on the computer i took pieces of paper and it looked like i'm not the best at drawing so it probably looked like a uh you know, a preschool drawing class of my versions of the wireframes, but, but I had ideas and I wanted to document them. So I, I wireframe them out. I'm going to stop you on wireframing because not everyone's going to know what wireframing is. Okay. Yeah. So wireframing is, uh, being able to essentially draw out or, or create screen designs that mimic how a user is going to interact with the app. So an overall flow, think of, it's not a flipbook, but think of a flipbook of how the journey progresses throughout the app. And uh, most of the time these are done online and digitized and mimic the overall designs, but these were very early bare bone, uh, just ideas of how, of what the app should look like and how a singer or user would interact with it. So how did you then, I mean, first of all, wireframes and visualization and apps has changed a lot since then, but also that you're on your own learning journey of being then in high school or high school age, performing, I'm assuming, and learning skills to go with this part of the journey? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, being able, a big thing is building a team making connections, starting with that one connection and branching out and taking every opportunity that you have to learn from people and also rise to the occasion yourself and use other resources to learn, whether it's online tools. This is this is kind of cheesy, but I am a huge CNBC, Shark Tank, and The Profit Watcher. And even though those are just TV shows, being able to, to learn about other companies and what they do and the successes and challenges that they had, um, have been extremely beneficial for me, and I have learned learned a lot from those shows as well. But but uh, you know, a big thing is making connections, finding that one connection, and building a team around it. Well, most people can't build a team until they raise money. So, yes. how does a high school student fund app development? We're privately funded, and we we don't typically disclose financial information, but we were able, with the idea and the concept, we're able to, to secure a, a healthy amount of funding to get the app initially off the ground. Most high school students cannot go raise money. This is not in their wheelhouse, so, yes. and not in their relationship base. So yes. even with a great idea, most high school students could not go raise funds. Absolutely. That, that makes sense. And, and you know, I think uh, once again, I think the big thing is that it didn't just sort of appear overnight. I, I spent a lot of time myself really wireframing this out and coming up with the concepts. And then through meeting people and just talking to people through the idea of LinkedIn and, and that sort of thing, I was able to meet other people who were able to guide me to the to the point of being able to raise funds and build a team and and that sort of thing. So it didn't it wasn't so you I would know, say this, that the CNBC Shark Tank stuff might have been more help than than we even kind of contemplate in the conversation. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I really do, you know, people may laugh because it's, yeah, it's in theory a reality TV show, but there are valuable lessons to be heard and learned from it. Shark Tank is going into its, uh, it's, I think, 11th year now, and I've been watching for almost all of those 11 years, and Marcus Lemonis and The Prophet, the, the insight that he provides with his philosophy on, on having a good, great people to work with, a great process, and a great product, those are things that I um, infuse with me uh, in, in my day-to-day journey with Harmony Helper. So let me cut to college. You have done something that I encourage folks where I am at a lot to do, which is you've built your own major, yes? Yeah, so I, um, I uh, am a Drexel custom design major there. So people people assume custom design major means I'm in some sort of design class, but no, it's I custom design the major. It's not quadruple majoring. I uh, put together classes of of music, technology, entrepreneurship, and business that best um, would that would best help me to continue down the path that I'm on. With that being said, I'm currently right now, as we've been in the launching phase of the companies, it's been growing. I am on a leave of absence at this point in time, so I can manage the team and manage the company. Uh, but, but that is, that, that is what, uh, what I did at Drexel um, going into it. It's the time of year right now that we're talking in December of 2019, and it is the time of year where students have either gotten their applications in for undergraduate school or are in the process on some of the various time frames of applying, but a lot of people don't think about this part of the journey. They think they're supposed to go into a pre-configured degree structure that may or may not fit what they're doing. I know that we at UCLA have the ability in some of our schools to craft your own major. And a lot of people go down, in some cases, the journey that you're on, that they're looking for, they're building something specific or they have a specific passion. And then they sit and negotiate the, the classes, a contract, what all the elements are. In some cases, practicum. I know that Drexel's very strong on their co-op program and practicum yep. elements. Yep. So in... in in many ways that there's a way to choose your college journey that is a self-crafted one that I would say that 99% of students have no idea that option exists. So it's a, but you're living near Drexel, right? I am. Yep. I'm right. I'm right by there. And I still am connected to Drexel and and involved there. Um, But yeah, that's, there, there were only, and just to give, I know you say not many students know about this being an opportunity, but my class going into to Drexel, there were, I was one of five or six students in that entire university, the freshman class of the custom designed major, that was it. And then what happens is typically is people find out about it after the fact, and then the next year you see maybe 10 or 15 more kids transfer. But still, that's such a small number. Yes. I, I've got a student who's come to me recently that they're putting together actually a program that, that looks and smells a lot like what you've designed at UCLA, pulling all those different pieces together. So it's sort Very of interesting cool. to see that. And I definitely see a really high success ratio for those students who've built their own experiences to really move forward and do some amazing things in the world. Um, you, of course, will. But also thinking that this is a really good precursor to doing really a, a different approach on the world. So let me then take you to yeah. your your launch and relaunch and what has been the journey to get this out into the world. I know that you had a relationship with BroadwayCon in sort of mm-hmm. layering out rollouts and 
buy-in. Can you maybe walk through that a bit and then how your more recent launch elements have gone? Absolutely. So, um, so fast forward now, you know, I've started to, to, to build a team, you know, meeting different technologists, music, uh, theory experts to really uh, uh, flesh out the idea. Uh, we first really unveiled the concept at Broadway Con in 20, let me back up really quick, I think 2017, because it's always in January. So I think it was Broadway Con 2017 was the unveiling of the concept. Uh, and and uh, we have really worked with the Broadway Con community and and the community of musicians and singers to get feedback, to make sure that we were building the best product and tool possible. We also, um, that next year we came back with a very early proof of concept of the app that demonstrated the experience that users will have once they are able to load in their own music to learn and continue to get feedback on our uh, digital rehearsal space that, that we're building. We went to the ACDA conference, the American Choral Directors Association conference, same idea there, get their perspective because the choral singing is, has a ton of harmony in it, but their use cases and needs and type of music is a bit different from, from Broadway theater. And the other big thing that we did, we built a proof of concept for the Paper Mill Playhouse, which is a North Jersey theater that is, a, it's a Tony-nominated theater. They send a, a lot of shows to Broadway. And they have a, conserv a summer conservatory program um, that I was actually a part of in 2015 and 2016. But, but in 2017, I, I returned to the program, but not as a student, but as a way to test Harmony Helper. So they used the app to learn the, the very difficult and complicated music that they need to learn in a very short amount of time to get a show up, up and running. So, so we've done uh, a lot of beta testing there as well. We got great feedback and that's been all infused along the way as we've made developments of the product before the launch um, uh, and have made changes. And then we did had our full public launch on October 29th of for people listening in the future of 2019. So fairly um, fairly recently. Yes, yes. So there's been a lot of time really learning about our customers, a lot of time testing, um, and uh, really really making sure that we're building the best product possible. And and as I mentioned, I think early on in the conversation is the problem that I've been trying to solve at the root has always stayed the same and has grown. I think we we also with the app have solved over time if we've made developments, we're now solving even more problems than just harmony alone. But the as technology has progressed and as we've been able to innovate even as we're building the product, that has allowed the execution of it to switch initially. Uh, my whole idea was that was really going off of the voice memos idea. You would sit down with your music director, they would plunk out the notes, it would hear the notes and it would convert that. Um, it would actually notate the notes along and that would be the method of, of inputting your music. But now we're able to leverage uh, music OMR technology. We're able to, uh, which is optical music recognition. That's that's uh, looking at a photo, collecting all the data that's in the sheet music and, and uh, being able to bring it to life in a sense. So, so we're the first and only rehearsal tool that streamlines the entire process of being able to 
take a photo of sheet music, identify the different vocal part possibilities inside of the app, prompt the user with questions so that we can determine what their vocal part is, and then put that into the comprehensive and intuitive rehearsal room that we've created that then allows them to learn on their own time, um, in the comfort of their own home, and at their own skill and experience level, at their own pace, in a sense. Can you walk us through the rights issues of Music OMR? Because I had thought sheet music could not be reproduced or replicated. And this seems a lot like reproducing sheet music. So, so right off the bat, um, as, as an artist and having multiple artists on our team, uh, respecting the, the rights of, of artists intellectual property is something that is a core value of ours. We do not, um, we do not uh, replace the physical need of having to legally acquire sheet music. It is not, the big thing is that it's not being uh, reproduced in a way of where it's being publicly displayed or shown. This is your own personal tool. It is up to you to legally acquire the sheet music. Um, we do have a bit more information in our terms and on our website and, and some statements there. But, but the big thing for us is, is that it does not replace the physical need to get sheet music and, and legally acquire it. You're not, we're also, you're also not posting it publicly or profiting off of it. We are, we are the, the tool that, that is used to learn uh, the music. Because this is interesting. A lot of the cloud services and cable companies have gone through this with video extensively as to what storing a copy does. So it's interesting that there's decades now of case law on this stuff. But it's an interesting question because it does, with how you see that and how you're lawyered around that provides a different lens on the opportunity. I put sheet music through the... Um, iTunes version of the app and uh, was actually really beautifully surprised at how wonderfully it actually digested a really complex song. Thank you. So it was, to me, that's kind of the superpower under the app from looking at it. It, it, it was interesting taking a look at it on both the Android platform and the iTunes platform in that you've had a real challenge, of course, going um, on both platforms. I, I did you port from iTunes over to Android? Is that, did you start out designing for iTunes? Initially, very early on. I mean, very early on, we were able to, uh, we were really focused on Apple, but then as we, and that was really with that initial recording version that I mentioned, but then when we decided we wanted to make the tweak and incorporate OMR technology, we actually decided to build both parallel at the same time um, to the best that we could. Uh, because we were finding, as I was going to the Broadway con uh, shows and other shows, there was, iPhone still has a fair control of the market, but especially in this community, there were quite a few um, Android people who 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 really wanted it and needed it. So, so we made the decision to sort of, since the product wasn't fully launched at that time, to try to build the best we could hand in hand. Uh, is it your own music OMR technology or you're licensing somebody else's superpower in the platform? We've partnered with uh, with other members to to bring this to life, but we've also have our own patented technology layered in as well that that creates the experience that you've seen and 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 uh, goes above and beyond what typical OMR technology would do. 
Because it's interesting coming in at the front end that someone might think that it's basically to learn some public domain songs and maybe then add in some of their own stuff and, and maybe not see the real engine under the hood here. So for yeah. people who want to play with it, you've got to get maybe a little far along to really see some of that strength of the product. One of the big things for us with our product roadmap is to really learn from the community. We're, we're a big theme with us has not been to just build this thing in a box, put it out there and hope people like it. It's been working with the community. So, so our, our customers really do help determine that our product roadmap, because there's tons of things that we want to do and innovate on. There are even some user interface tweaks that we'll be making in the coming weeks that even help address that even further, just off of, uh, you know, the overall feedback has been great, but there have also been some, some great points of things that will make the experience even better. And, and we really do listen to that. So to your point, we, we do plan on addressing some of those things in the near future. So what have, what have been your biggest surprises or pain points yourself on launching a new app-driven product in the current market? I mean, I, I've known it, but, but a big thing that happened was just now that it's in people's hands and other people are using it is the validation of the product and just already starting to hear some early success stories of people who have an audition and they need to, you know, they're not an expert in reading sheet music and they're able to quickly take the music, learn it, and, and use it for their audition faster than they ever had before. People who are now relying on the product. And that's been really, really big for us. I would say areas an area where we're always trying to make improvement is when it comes to sheet music and, and new technology, there are so many variables into play, especially with the sheet music and, and OMR technology. You know, it it's important that people have a nice the cleanest photo that they can. And, and I do think we've done a, a great job of, of trying to explain, um, you know, how to take a good photo as well as even if a photo is not great filtering out shadows, but that's always an area that I think we can improve and we look forward to improving of just uh, as we learn more about the types of music that people are, are loading in and we hear from, from customers, um, their exact use cases of the product. And this gets to be an interesting question. So we've had several apps on the podcast or app leaders. And then we've talked a lot about data. And so I've bemoaned the crappy data for podcasting. So it's really hard to see who exactly, without the direct interaction that you can cultivate outside the platform. And then talking to people in a lot of the music industry is that there's now a vast amount of data. It's just held in other people's hands than yours. What type of data does an app get back other than that interaction and comment layer about who's actually enjoying, appreciating, retaining what you built? So are you talking about, just to clarify, some of the, I guess, automated data is what you're saying without someone directly reaching out to us or us yep. reaching out to people? Okay. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of great um, tools out there. Uh, Google Firebase is one. Firebase is a great one. And it allows us to... We still can't see exactly who it is. It is anonymous, but we're able to sort of uh, see and understand based off of clicks and number of clicks in the app where people might be getting uh, hung up or where where leak points in the app may be uh, based off of... and. And when you compile all that data together and put it into a funnel, for example, so if it's uploading sheet music, or let's even just say creating an account. You know, you create an account, the first thing you do is you uh, you get, get to the calendar for the age so we can 
determine your age because we are COPPA compliant. So that's, we use an outside tool called Super Awesome to, to make sure we're all up to date and COPPA compliant there uh, and, and GDPR compliant. So we have our, our calendar first. And then after that, you put in your name and then your, your, your email and password. And we can see the overall amount of clicks on each step. But let's say we see a huge drop off from the amount of people we have uh, a large amount of clicks, let's pretend hypothetically, under the username and password screen, but then we get to the subscription screen and there's a, a lot of drop off there. That then tells us that we need to really take a hard look at that and see where the leak, leak, uh, leak point is and where people might be falling off. So we do have. And the shopping cart is a normal one. So part of it is you actually have to know not just that you have leak points, but need to know it against sort of industry standards. Exactly. Yes. Yep. But but then also same thing with uh, with the sheet music flow. You know, you click add a song, you set the tempo, you name it, you then choose PDF or photo. So if we find that people are getting to the tempo screen and then dropping off, then that maybe tells me, for example, I don't know, speaking hypothetically, that people are still confused on what a tempo is, mm-hmm. I, and that's and that's turning people away. Uh, that that's just hypothetically, but but that's. You know, that's an example of how we can leverage uh, and understand while keeping it anonymous and not, you know, not and keeping, uh, you know, non-personal data. uh, That's how we're still able to leverage it to improve the app for our users without having direct conversations on the ground. With that being said, we also do value those those direct conversations as as they are valuable. Is it also in building community? I mean, you're coming from the the live theater and Broadway lens, but this isn't necessarily something that's um, dedicated to that. Can you sense or see, um, I guess the opposite of leakage, the, the, the buildup in additional audience spaces, and are you looking to build community around your different audience groups? Absolutely, and we're already seeing that. So my background, is, as you know, is in, is in Broadway and theater performance, but we've already seen a lot of adoption um, in the choral space because that's a that's a big one. And, and we, I feel that we've had a really solid and and healthy start. But I'm looking forward to continue to building out that community. Um, we are adding actually in the near future uh, a genre question to the sign up the sign up process, which will also help us better understand to where the community is and will allow us to even better prioritize our product roadmap. So, so, uh, but community is a huge part of this. You, you know, there is a such thing as, uh, singing by yourself, but even when you're singing by yourself, there are other people involved. And when it comes to harmony, that means more than one person. So naturally with singing, singing is harmonious and it is about building a community. So as we advance the product forward, that is truly what, what we, we plan to do. And I would think you would have an interesting information flow from seeing what people are uploading. So especially, yeah, learning, learning from those people and learning the types of music that people are uploading and the genre the genre question will be extremely helpful as well, um, especially if you know we find from the genre question that you know there's been a spike of of types of music in a genre we didn't even think about. That's going to be helpful and and help influence a product and and uh, and also enlighten us to to understand even further opportunities. So, in all of this, are you getting any opportunity to perform? So. 
I, right now I am not in traditional performances at this point in time. With that being said, the craft is something that is still extremely important to me and keeps me rooted in the community as, as we continue to build out this product. So I still go to my weekly voice lessons every Thursday at, at uh, one o'clock and, and I continue to advance further in the singing craft and the performance craft. It's, and, and if a short run or cabaret opportunity pops up, I will take it. It's just about not having the time at this point in time to do a you know, full-fledged rehearsal process in an eight-week run. Well, we're, we're near the end of our time, but I have one last question before asking sure. you what we haven't talked about for you yet. What is your roadmap personally? So you are um, uh, have a long professional life ahead of you. Is it that you foresee that you'll have a portfolio of assets you're building or that you're going to be building out a creative and a technology career or working with other ventures what are the other passions in your life that would be building out um an early stage career yeah absolutely i think for me is the performance side of me is something that i'm never going to leave so i'm going to continue working on the craft and and we'll see where that takes me but especially from the harmony helper side my my dream is to to you know get this tool to a place of where just as tappers have their tap shoes singer of harmony helper and then also continue to build out future products and features whether it's in harmony helper or not that continue to um put the control back in a singer's hand in, a, in an industry where so little is in their control or bring more access to music and level the playing field um, and that's truly what i hope to do and on top of that being able to help others as well uh, rec realize and recognize their dreams and journeys when it comes to being an entrepreneur too. What, um, you know, once, once we really get this off the ground and continue moving forward. With it. Anything that you'd like to make sure we talked about that we haven't talked about yet? Um, the, not really. This has been a, a great conversation. Um, Harmony Helper is, is available to download on, on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Um, and really, I, I appreciate the time and, and allowing me to, to share my story here. And then if someone would like to get a hold of you to talk about your journey or to talk about Harmony Helper, how may they get a hold of you? Uh, the best way would be heading to our website, harmonyhelper.com, and there's a little contact us uh, section on the website, and that would be the, the best way to go about it. Great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places, or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.ucla.edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites and you can find those in the show notes.